Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. All right. Hey, welcome again, everybody. Good to see everybody out on a Wednesday night. I just love Wednesday nights. Um, I'm, I'm glad they let me preach. <laughs> you know, honestly, finally. It's like I got a lot of great, we got, we're blessed with a lot of great uh, ministers here. We got a deep bench. I guess everything's sports terminology with me. Really blessed. Great to hear all the different gifts, but every once in a while I like to insert myself in the lineup on Wednesday. I got to tell you, I'm a little nervous. I'm kind of like, what am I supposed to do now on Wednesdays? I, I haven't kind of done this in a while, but I love preaching the word. And again, I'm so thankful for all the guys and their gifts that they have to share it. Uh, it is fun to watch this. I don't know. I don't know how Pastor Ken sets the schedule. I don't know if they arm wrestle. I'm not flip coins. Right? Flipping coins for caucuses. I guess you can flip coins to who's preaching, right? Okay, that's my only political statement tonight, but thank you, Chris. <clears throat> Some of you guys didn't pay attention, did you, Todd? <clears throat> Excuse me, the Iowa caucus. I, I, I think I watch that stuff too much. How many news watchers are in here? Okay, how many non-news watch? You know, I don't watch any news. Okay. How many aren't going to raise your hand no matter what I say? Raise your hand. Okay, there we go. Thank you. Uh, watch a lot of news and just, I, I don't know why that is. I, I, I just, I'm fascinated by the news and intrigued by it all. And I think if I had to get rid of everything, I could get rid of everything but Fox News and ESPN. And I think, and, and my Bible and my family, I think I could be good after that, right? And so uh, anyway, so kind of tonight, what's on my heart, I want to share um, for a minute. But before I do, uh, I want to tell you, come on Sunday. Um, we're starting a good series, a great series. It's been in my heart for a while. Just trying to look and see where God leads to the timing of things and everything, the kingdom's timing. So I really feel it's the timing of the Lord. The, the series is called Unpack Your Bags. I was torn with a lot of things like baggage or whatever. I'm not very, I don't think I'm very clever on coming up with the titles or, or names for the series or anything like that. But really, I, I think it's such a timely message for us to make sure that we're dealing with the things within us and we focus so much on the things without, uh, outside of us. Going into a new year, I'm going to do this different, re- resolutions and all kinds of things. I'm, I'm going to work on my schedule more and you need to. I'm going to make sure that this is more of a priority. You need to. But we gotta, we got to let some things go inside of us. We just can't carry the same things around all the time. And God is a God of freedom. Amen? Aren't you glad for that? And he's created ways through his word and through the Holy Spirit to find freedom and maybe even things that you've lugged around your whole, time, your whole life or whatever. In a moment in God's presence or under the direction of the Holy Spirit, you know, things can change. And so let me just tell you how I knew that I was on the right track for the series. Um, it's called Unpack Your Bags. And so last week, my wife and I, we were out of town. I had the honor of speaking at a conference, um, did a workshop for a conference, and then I preached at a church. We were in Tulsa, and then I preached at a church in Joplin, Missouri, about 90 miles away on Wednesday night. Missed you guys that Wednesday night. We had a good time there. So came home on Friday, spent some time in Tulsa with Joan Denise McGee, you know Joe McGee, just a great time, and then came home on Friday, and I'm just, I don't know why I'm this way, and I'll probably share this on Sunday, but I'm, I used to be a notorious overpacker, just, I could stay somewhere for like two weeks, and uh, it was just weird, but, I, but now I started kind of preparing for my series, I'm really trying to apply some of those things that the analogy would be, you know, in packing your suitcase. And so um, I, I timed it just about right. I mean, I had just like one more extra pair of underwear or whatever. Not you need to know that, I guess, but whatever it was. And I could stay one more day anyways. I don't know. But and so um, on the way home, um, well, when we get to hotels, I don't know about you. When we get to hotels, I'm just weird this way. I have to unpack everything in my suitcase immediately. You know, I'm like, are you going to use this drawer, honey? You know, she knows, so she doesn't come planning on using anything. I hang up all my clothes. At home, I just pick stuff off the floor and, and wear it, you know. I just, except on Wednesdays and Sundays. But um, so I get home, and I put my bag at the foot of my, uh, put my suitcase at the foot of my bed. And we get home Friday night. 
Sunday night, I couldn't sleep. I was just staring at the ceiling. And you know when you can't sleep, you get frustrated, so you can't sleep even more, right? So I'm there staring at the the ceiling, and I'm just like, this is not going to work. And no matter how long I lay here, I'm not going to go to bed because I'm more and more frustrated. So I get up and go to the room at the house. It's kind of like my office. And I watch Fox News <laughs> and uh, all the Iowa caucus stuff that was going to happen the next day. And so I got tired. And so I thought, okay, now maybe I can go back to bed and go back to sleep. Well, on my way back into the room, I kicked the suitcase and broke my toe. And I'm like, yeah, so that's why I'm not on the stage. I didn't want to climb the stairs tonight. But um, I thought the Holy Spirit did that to me, um, telling me, unpack your bag, all right? Unpack your bag, get it out of the way. And so I just had a moment between the Lord and I and uh, crying out his name in pain. And uh, not in vain, in pain. And, uh, but I just thought, you know what? And then all joking aside, obviously, I don't, it wasn't the Holy Spirit, it was the devil. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and I thought, wow, there's so many ways that we could go with this series. So I say all that to say, I'm really excited um, about the series coming up. And I really want you guys to come out and bring somebody with you. I, I think the things in the word that the Holy Spirit's gonna reveal to us are just gonna be so timely. I mean, the, the word's powerful, right? It's powerful. Anytime you get the word, it's powerful. It is. But so timely. And that's, that's, a, that's a whole other story. I think God wants to deal with some of us and, and bring some freedom to our lives. And we all know people. We all know people that struggle in dealing with. We know them because they're our friends and relationships that they're carrying the same thing around, trying to find some freedom somewhere. It can only be found in the, in the word of God, applying the principles of God. Amen. So there's my plug for that. That was kind of long and it's a funny story. And, uh, but anyway, so come on out and we'll have a good time. And I just want to say to the ladies, if you can come to lunch and come on, please come on. There's nothing more important at times than connecting with other people. The church gets big. It needs to get big. It needs to grow because there's a whole bunch more people that don't know Jesus, right? So church needs to keep growing, keeps getting bigger. And so we got to intentionally find those moments to break, break the, the, the group down to something smaller so we can build relationships. So ladies, again, come on out. It's going to be fantastic. Turn to Second Peter for me. Second Peter. All right, this passage of scripture is one that uh, it fascinates me because it deals a lot with the end times. And I don't know about you in here, but I, I love the end times. I, I like reading Revelation, although it's probably one of the most confusing books. I, I listen to guys that speak on it all the time. And why it fascinates me and intrigues me so much right now, partly because of where we are on the timeline and wherever that may be. Uh, you turn on the news and you see things that I think speak to the timeline that we're on in the world. Uh, the Bible has a lot to say about in the last days. You can go read some of that in Revelation. But in the last days, we see a lot of things happening. Um, I'm, I'm interested in the things going on in the Middle East and Russia coming down to Syria. And honestly, not to give the message on that tonight for sure, but honestly, all those things play into the end times. We are in, so I, let me say it this way. We are possibly the generation that can see the return of Christ. Now, I won't be so bold as to make the prediction because the Bible says Jesus doesn't even know. He says, I'll turn to my father and my father will tell me when to come. He says, I don't know. The father will turn, that will turn his head to me and tell me when to come. <clears throat> so I look at things like economy and uh, I just thought, I don't know. I don't know. That might be weird to you, but I like that stuff. Um, this is a passage of scripture that has a little bit different take on some things concerning the end times and all the things about wars and Armageddon and I don't know, all those kind of things may not be your thing that you're interested in, but I think this is one that we need to be very familiar with and understand. Um, I want to share some insights out of this passage of scripture because I really uh, hope what it speaks to us as who we should be right now in the world today. Um, And partly because I think because the world is in such a mess um, that too much of the church gets in that mess. (laughs) I mean, would you agree? I mean, too much of the church kind of gets sucked right in there. And honestly, as believers, we can too. And, And I think it's important to understand what the expectation that God has from us. And 
I said Sunday morning, if you were here, you were here, and if you weren't, then you can go on the stream or podcast it. If you were here, get it again. Talked about what it meant to be a follower of Jesus, because even that word has got washed out a bit, right? And uh, there's a, Jesus never said, I'm trying to make believers. He said, I want disciples, I want followers. There's, there's something more. The devil believes in God, but he's not going to heaven. <laughs> and he's already had his chance, right? He got kicked out of there. And uh, demons believe, but they're not going to heaven. And probably there's a lot of people that believe Jesus or in Jesus that think they're secure in their relationship and just may not necessarily be. Or there might be believers, however you want to define believer, I guess would be determining of that, um, that aren't really going to receive a lot of what God has because they got their fire insurance, right? Got my ticket to heaven punched, I'm good. I want to live my life the way I want to live it. Well, that's not Jesus' expectation, but there are things that speak to where we're at in the world today. I think this is a very timely message as well and saying to you and I, we need to be aware of these things because we're here for a reason and for a purpose. So uh, 2 Peter 3.1 says this. Let me start reading. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written to them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. Now, it's going to be interesting. You hold on to that thought because he wants to stimulate us to wholesome thinking. And we're going to read some pretty things like the world's going to be burned by fire and, and all this kind of stuff. I don't know where you get the wholesome thinking other than just, again, understanding what you should be doing. That's a plus. It goes on to say this. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets, command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Keep going. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, here we are, understand, we must understand. We just don't cruise through life. We need to have an understanding of who we are and where we are in the world. Understand the last days, which I believe we're, we, we could be the generation to see Jesus come. Scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. Do so you think that's a pretty accurate statement of where we are in the world today? I mean, it seems to be picking up the speed a little bit as far as like all that kind of stuff, scoffing and questioning and challenging God and the things of God, people following their own evil desires. They'll say, where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Goes on to say this, but they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world at that time was deluged and destroyed. Now, hold on a second. What they're saying is, if he says he's coming, he's coming, right? And if you don't believe it, look back and see what he said he will do, he will do, right? He's saying he he said he was going to bring a flood, and he brought a flood. He said he was going to do this, and he did that. And so if he says he's coming, he's coming. So don't forget that. Just because you haven't seen him yet doesn't mean he's not coming because he keeps his word. By the same word, the, uh, the present heavens and earth were reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you. Aren't you glad God's patient with you? You know, I used to struggle with this a lot of time because it seems like in just in my interaction with people in life and even my own story, my father uh, passing away at 49 of a heart attack, I'm thinking, why are the mean, evil people living the longest, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, come on. I mean, I, I was, I'm there. I, I ask that sometimes. And you know why I think that is? And my whole heart and attitude changed because I really felt the Lord spoke to me and said, as long as they're drawing a breath, there's hope, right? So I'm glad that the Lord is patient at times, right? So more people can come to the knowledge of Jesus. But we have work to do. Uh, he's not slow as we understand it. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. There's his heart. But everyone to come to repentance. The heart of God wants everybody to come to relationship with him. Uh, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar and the elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Verse 11. 
since everything will be destroyed in this way, here's our thought tonight. What kind of people ought you to be? Oh, since all this is true, and it is, because uh, God is speaking this here through, uh, through his uh, uh, prophet, through his men. And so we know that if this is true, then there's things that we need to be aware of and be doing. What kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live uh, holy and godly lives, number one. And you look forward to the day of God and speed it's coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire. The elements will melt into heat. There's a lot of stuff in there we'd have to unpack. We want tonight. But in keeping with his promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. And I think one more. So then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. So there's the question, what kind of people in verse 11 ought we to be? And honestly, that's what we should be asking every day of our life. But understand, he's describing the days that we live in today. We would all agree, just based on what was being said earlier, we'll talk about that in a minute, that that described the times that we're in. And we, again, really could be the first generation to really see the coming of Jesus. So what should we be doing? Who should we be? We're living in crazy days. What kind of person should I be? And I, and I think it's important for us, to, again, to understand to, as, as, as we're starting 2016 and getting things in order in our life. And here, Peter tells uh, of the times that we're living in, and it gives us some, really in this passage, some right responses to that question and some wrong responses to that question. And so I want to look at some wrong responses first that I see in this passage of scripture, because I think it will help us understand then who we ought to be. But let's look at the first wrong response to who we ought to be then in today's world with the world, the way that it is. Here's the first one. Wrong response is this. People will do their own thing. That's not the way to live your life. (laughs) I mean, we think that, well, that's pretty obvious, but nonetheless, come on. People live their own life. And if the days are evil and we think is coming soon, and we do, then we ought to live our life in accordance with the word. The wrong response would be to live your own life. If it feels good, do it. Be kind of feel good, do it mode. And let me say this. This is not exclusive for unbelievers. I mean, isn't it true that typically when we, and we'll, we'll point it out a couple times in here, we'll read this and think, that's right, those sinners, <laughs> Right? That's right, those ungodly heathen pagans, right? Your evil ways, your evil life that you live. It's not just directed to people that don't know Jesus. In fact, the case could maybe be made that, especially those that know Christ, because even those that know Christ can live their life doing their own thing, right? I mean, we won't have a show of hands in here. And if I did ask for that, every hand would go up, except for those people that wouldn't raise their hand on anything, right? That's what... They, they did, but okay. So uh, it's talking about you and I making sure as believers, and don't just assume this is something directed to the people that don't follow Jesus, but understand it's easy to get wrapped up in things that are not our own, that, that are God's desires, but their own desires. And when we get wrapped up in things that are our own desires, we get more earthly minded than heavenly minded. And that's the danger in that because we're supposed to be eternally minded. And so we got to make sure even as believers, the more we focus on our own desires, the more we are focused on earth and not on the things of God. So we need to be careful and make sure that we reflect or look at ourselves and make sure that we're not just following our own desires. Uh, You know, we all can be at that place. And he said it would be like the days, uh, he said it'd be like the days of Noah. You can see that in Mark and Luke. And the days of Noah, it's, it's uh, again, the book of Mark and Luke talks about that's just like a lot of partying, a lot of feel good stuff, just kind of do my own thing. And you remember the days of Noah because there was a big flood, 
right? And people following their own desires led to God's judgment on the earth. Now, that's not a promise that will never happen again. And now sin has been judged through the work of Jesus. Aren't you glad? But still, there's people that are going to die and go to heaven. People that are going to die and go to hell. And so we can't live for our own earthly desires um, like in the day of Noah because it does not bring um, help and rescue to the earth that we live in. He said to be like the days of Noah. We, we would agree then we're kind of in that day. Wrong response number two. Um, let's take a look at it here. People will think he's not coming. There seems to be kind of a big movement on that, I think. Ah, oh, come on. He's, I mean, he saves and come one forever ago. And we saw that in the passage of scripture. It talked about that. It's like, well, I mean, we've been living, dying, living, dying, living, dying, and he hasn't come yet. Each generation says this is the one he's going to come in. And even tonight I say, I believe this is the first generation that can see it without going to Revelation and picking out the things that need to fall into place for that to happen. But Bible prophecy is being fulfilled quicker than ever before. The things that we see that are, that are factors determining the Lord's return, even things like uh, the two witnesses, it talks about the two witnesses, and when they die in the street, the whole world will see it. We are now in a generation technologically, <laughs> with technology, <laughs> could see one thing happen at one time. Does that agree, Right? Because of satellite and all this kind of stuff, I think this is really the first generation that has the capability of really just transmitting or whatever that might be, something all over the world that the world in its entirety actually could see and experience an event to some regard. So without, again, going into Revelation-type teaching, understand that um, there's this idea that he's not coming back again, but he's going to come back again, and we're getting all ever closer and so he says, don't forget that he's coming back again. And a lot of times people say, well, that sounds nice and that sells books. Let me tell you a quick, real, real quick story. I've shared this before. When I was in college, I, I, I went on a freedom tour. So I went to a lot of colleges, right? Got out of high school, had my freedom, and I went on tour for a while. And uh, so I was at a particular college with Mr. Neil Donup sitting right back there. We were at a college together and, uh, and a, another person here, three of us. And on our wing, he can attest, he can support my story. I'm not making it up. <laughs> uh, if, right, Neil? Okay, yeah. All right, yeah, you can still work here then. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so we're on the wing with this guy, and we're, it was in 1988, and so the hot book in 1988, tell me if you read this book or, or heard about this book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. Anybody, let me see a hand. Come on, anybody hear about that book? Okay, I thought, okay, a couple of hands, thank you. Okay, it was a hot book on the old Roberts University campus where I was going to school then. And uh, there's this one guy in particular that, like, he just, it's it. I mean, there's a lot of people that thought that. Well, at our campus, we, had, we were required twice a week to go to chapel, and chapel was in the basketball arena, and it was a pretty, ways, pretty good ways away from our dorm, and so you had to get up Tuesday morning, go to chapel, it was mandatory if you missed it, you know, whatever, it counted against you, and so one particular morning, one of these guys that was really into this book um, overslept, his alarm didn't go off, and so he gets up kind of groggily, and he walks out in the hall, and there's nobody in the hall, so he's like, well, that's weird. And he walks into the restroom, and it was really weird on a floor of 36 guys for no one to be in the bathroom. That's like, what happened? And then he goes down to the, he's getting a little panicky, and he goes down to the lobby. There's no one at the desk, no one to be seen. He goes out the lobby doors. There's no one walking around campus, and he panics, and he, th- he felt, falls to his knees and just felt that the rapture had come, and he got left behind. <laughs> I did. Right, Neil? Am I right? Yeah. And so then he went, he finally made his way down to the arena where everybody was worshiping God, and he was good then because he hadn't been left behind. Funny story. But nonetheless, uh, people think that's just kind of a kind of thing that we'll say and do, sell tapes, sell CDs, sell books kind of thing. But let me say this, all joking aside, it's going to happen. And it doesn't really matter if you believe it or not, because it's going to happen even if you don't believe it. But it's going to happen. Look at verse 4. 
Let's read this, verse four. Verse four there, four through seven. They will say, where is this coming? He promised, ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Nothing has changed. Every generation has said this. Verse five says this. But they deliberately forgot that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of the water. And again, what he said he would do, he did. Next verse. By these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. Again, hey, he keeps doing what he's saying he's going to do. And then verse seven, by the same words, the present heavens and earth will be reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So this will happen one day. Be ready. When is it going to happen? We don't know. Jesus will wait for the father to tell him, and then he will come. And the Bible talks about two men will be working in a field, if you'll remember your scripture. Two men will be working in the field. One will be gone. One will remain. Two women will be working at the hand mill. One will be gone. One will remain. The whole idea is it will just happen suddenly. So we need to live like it's going to happen today. So, but the idea then would be, the question to me would be, why would we forget that? Why do people forget that? I mean, if, if we're being reminded, don't, don't forget, then what is it that causes us to forget from time to time? So I thought that'd be an interesting question. And I just want to say a couple things why I think people forget. I think it's because we're so blessed. I think sometimes, and God wants to bless you, but I think if we're not careful, that sometimes the more blessed we get, the less we dependent on God, maybe. I think sometimes because technology or medicine or advances and so in whatever in life. And so because of that, we get dependent on things other than God. And those things are good things and inspired by God, but God's still God. I think that we're in an instant society that it's easy to forget something if it doesn't happen right away. And I think that we live in a place and a time that because of everything happening around about us, it's easy to forget some things. I also have had the, the privilege of traveling different places around the world and, and sharing the gospel and doing some different things, and like in Mexico and India, where we have mission stations, that kind of thing. But it seems like around the world, they're more aware. They forget less. I think, again, because of they just so desperate for God. I, I think also if you go further back, let's say you go further back in time, and I just said I was, I said I was in Joplin, Missouri. My dad's side of the family is all from Joplin, Missouri. And, and I have a lot of family that still live there. And so I love going back there and I got to preach in the church and my, grand, my great-grandparents helped found the church. And it's just memories of, uh, you know, back in the day. I, as a kid, I went to a, a church there, Second Assemblies of God. As a kid with my grandparents, we go visit them in the summer and we sang songs with the hymn book, right? But you know what it seems to me? And when you think back to those days or I think back to my grandparents' day, they were more aware of God in heaven than we are today. They would talk about it all the time. In fact, most of their songs in the hymn books were, you know, songs about heaven. And it just seems like the further we move forward in generations, the easier it is to forget. That's why we need to know how should we live. We need to live in remembering God and the things of God and what we should be doing. And so the further back you go, it seems like there was a greater awareness or dependency on God. And as society advances, the less... We depend on him and think about it. I think about all the distractions and um, it's easier to spend our time doing other things. I, I wrote just some things down. I mean, and today, as opposed to my grandparents' day, you know, there's cable TV, there's direct TV, there's UVerse, there's Roku, Netflix, Hulu, Apple TV. I don't even know what some of these do. I'm just writing down. I hope they're not bad. Okay. And uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, YouTube, iTunes, 
My grandparents sat out on the front porch and talked about Jesus with everybody, right? And did all that kind of stuff. And so we just need to remember that what God said he will do, he'll do. And we need to live like it's happening today. So many distractions and we get distracted to things so easily. But the Bible says it's all going to burn at some point in time. So let's be more mindful of heaven than earth. And so I think that it seems like to me that, again, the places around the world, and I asked these guys to key up a video for me uh, to show you uh, just this idea of, um, again, the experiences of seeing uh, people just so uh, in, in love with the things of God, even in the midst of persecution and difficult times. And so guys, if you roll the video, go ahead. that is these guys are in India and they are at risk of life and death gathering. And, you know, it's just that, that thing not to be, I mean, I'm, we're blessed. Thank God he put us here, right? Therefore we have great responsibility, but, um, just that this, that we can get kind of lazy and kind of complacent, kind of comfortable. Right. And so let's be reminded of how blessed that we are and the responsibility we do have then to follow things to God. Who ought we to be in the world today? Is somebody that is always aware of that he is coming soon, and we need to live our life that way. And uh, I love that, the, the idea of um, them gathering together, and they'll sit for hours and just do praise and worship and sing and praise the Lord. But we do live in the greatest nation on the planet. But as things change, more challenges, more suffering, more pain, more fear, the further away from God we get. And the church ought not be that way. Amen? And so, um, okay, so here's the question. Can we be prosperous and not forget God? I'll let you answer that one yourself. But can we be prosperous and not forget God? We'd like to think that we can. And there's obviously things we need to be aware of. Matthew 24, 12 says this. Because of the increases of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. The love of most will grow cold. Do you know he's talking to believers here? I mean, again, I think we think the people that don't even know God, this is directed at believers. People that know God. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. That means that if we are not purposeful and intentional of how we ought to be in the evil days, we could easily fall into the most category there. Our love will grow cold. Talking about wrong responses, number three, people will not be ready. People will not be ready. Let's look at verse nine and, nine and 10 here. People not, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Verse 10, but the day the Lord will come, listen to this, like a thief, a thief in the night, the heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. What is he saying here? The illustration of a thief means that you don't know when it's going to happen. You need to be ready like it's going to happen today. You need to live your life. Because here's what we would know. If we knew the thief was coming, we would lock our door. I mean, in the natural, right? We would prepare for that. We'd do everything. We'd uh, arm ourselves or whatever that is. But the reality is we don't know when it's going to happen. So we need to live our life every day like it is that day. And there's a lot of work to still do here on the planet. 
There's a lot of people that don't know Jesus. There's a lot of people, friends and family that we want to reach. And you need to be ready for it. Everything we did, everything we did, everything we didn't deal with, that scripture says in verse 10, will be revealed, will be uh, dealt with. The Lord's returning. Understand this, and you're going to stand before him one day. And so the good is we can deal with the stuff here before we get there, right? But after the fact, you can't. And so there's a lot of things that we can do and a lot of people we can reach. There's two questions going to be asked a believer. Well, the first question asked everybody is, what did you do with Jesus? And if you answered, I received him as my Lord and Savior, you get a second question. If you didn't give that answer, you don't get another question. You just get directed to hell. <laughs> but hopefully, let me just give you, uh, give you some help here. Um, get Jesus as your Lord and Savior so you get another question. That, you know, right there. The second question is going to be, what have you done with what I gave you? your gifts, talents, abilities, resources, finances, and then the rewards in heaven will be a direct result of what did you do with what he gave you to steward on the earth. And so those are things that we need to be working on now, things we need to be aware of. Uh, Verse 11 says this, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Everything's going to be destroyed. And I don't want to go into, you know, Jesus coming, setting up his kingdom here. That's not the talk tonight. And we understand that. You ought to live holy and godly lives. Goes on to say this. And uh, can you guys roll verse 12 there? As you look forward to the day of God and his speed coming, uh, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. What I want to say about this is we live, since we live in this kind of evil world, since everything's going to be destroyed, what kind of people ought we be? That's the question tonight. So what should I do? And this is my hope to inspire us and motivate us. I'm going to give you two right responses. I gave you three wrong responses. Let me give you two right responses I see in this passage. 2 Peter 3, 11 if you guys don't mind going back to 11 for me. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you be? You ought to, that's just funny, that word ought, that just meant, you ought to live holy and godly lives. That's your first right response, live holy and godly lives. When I read this, I think that you need to live holy and godly life. I, it just makes me think of, and I must be a mess, right? I mean, come on, you need to live holy. Why, what's wrong with me? You know, what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? And I don't want to clarify that for a minute because I, I want to understand something. The words here are important in how they're worded. Holy doesn't mean clean. It means set apart. Amen? The work of Jesus on the cross cleansed us. So if you, Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you're righteous, not with your own works, but through his works. You're clean as far as Jesus, because he sees the blood when he sees you, all right? So understand this. What I see, the picture I see here is he's not talking about you uh, holy being clean. Don't live a clean and godly life. He's talking about you already have been made clean by Jesus, but live a life set apart or don't live a life like the world. And let me give you this illustration. I thought about this. It's like if you have uh, dirty dishes and you clean the dish, I don't know what your sink, our sink is divided. It has a divider in the middle. And so you have a side, usually you, you have dirty dishes and then you put them in the clean side after you clean them. But it would be like this. It'd be like having the clean dishes in the dirty water side. That's literally the picture. Because when Jesus comes in our heart and life, the blood of Jesus cleanses us, his righteousness, through his righteousness. And we are clean, and we still, but we're still living in a dirty world. And some of us are okay to live in, a, in, in that dirty water sink. But when we're in that dirty part, dirty water sink, even though we're clean, we put a clean dish in there, we won't use it again. I hope you don't pick it up out of the dirty water and eat off of it, right? And it's like, if we stay in that side of the sink, we're limited on our uses. We're clean, but we haven't set ourselves apart. Does that make sense? And so it's important for you to live our lives in a way that we, being clean because of the blood of Jesus, can remove ourselves from the dirty water of life. 
by not doing and engaging in the things that are, I'm going to say it this way because that's our word, dirty, or ungodly, or not according to his will, his way. And so why, we need to make sure that um, we, we're, we're positioning ourselves for his plan to work and function in our life so he can use us and work through us. And so some things that we need to do and pursue and avoid in our life, how ought we should live, things that we should not be participating in, set ourselves apart. I see it says we, we, we need to be in this world, but not part of this world, be separate. First John 2.15 says this, First John 2, do not love this world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives on forever. Now, let me back up for a second. It says, you can't give your affection to everything. You can't. You need to give it to God. Be careful where your affections goes. And then it talks about three different types of sin, three categories of sin, cravings. Could you guys go back to 16 for me? Back up just one. For everything in the world, lust of the flesh, there's one. Lust of the eyes, there's two. Pride of life does not come from the Father, but from the world. Those are the three sins categories, if you will, that you'll see all throughout the scripture, and you can lump sin in those. Cravings would be uh, lust of the flesh, things that you want and desire. Lust of the eyes would be greed. And then boasting on what he has would be, right there, the pride of life, pride. And so basically, if you look at all three of those categories, you get everything falls under there. You get lust, greed, and pride. And so uh, for you and I to understand everything is going to burn, it said that in verse 17, then we need to deal with those three things and areas in our life. And that means that we know how the enemy is going to attack us, right? I mean, those three, you can lump every sin in there. You can, from the Garden of Eden, from uh, Eve and the things that the devil tempted her with, right? To even Jesus, when he began his ministry and the enemy took him out into the wilderness, he tempted him with those three things. It tells us where the enemy is going to attack us. And so if we will... Um, have the right response to those things, then we'll be able to set ourselves apart from them. That's a whole nother lesson, but I want you to see what we're talking about here. The lust, do what feels good, greed, get more of it, pride, it's all about me. Stay away from that. Every day you ought to live holy lives. Come out from the dirty water. Put that clean plate on the clean, clean side, amen? Do the things, how I ought to live today, especially in an evil world today, I need to come out from the dirty water. I need to protect my heart from these things. And all that really does come down to one question. How do we do that? Who has your heart? Talks about your affection. Because here's what I believe, and I gotta move on, but here's what I believe. In order to deal with those three things we just talked about so we can make sure that we're not the clean plate in the dirty water, that what we need to do is not necessarily worry so much about those three things as much as we worry about loving Jesus more. Because doesn't it stand to reason the more we love Jesus, the less we'll do those things? So if you're dealing with those areas in your life, it would mean to me that we should focus more on then on directing our love and affection to him in a greater measure and capacity. Because when you fall more and greater in love with him, the less you'll have a desire to do those things, right? Then we can look at each one of those things and come up with boundaries and stuff like that. But I think really in general, our starting point is to love him more and we'll want those things less. And so, but we need to be that, live a holy and godly. How ought we live? How ought should we live today? We should live holy and godly lives. We should be, we're already cleansed by the blood of Jesus, but we need to be set apart from the things of this world. We're strangers and aliens here. It's not our home. We're passing through. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. And so we need to make sure that we're doing that. The right response, number two, let's go back to 2 Peter 3. Look forward to new home. All right, let's go take a look at it then here in the scripture. As you look forward to the day 
of God and speed its coming. So the first one was live holy and godly lives. How should we live today? Holy and godly, set apart. What else should we do? Look forward to his coming. Look forward to a new home. And we need to talk about that a little bit more, I think. Like I said, last week I was in um, Joplin. And, um, and again, it reminded me of you know, my grandparents and great-great-grandparents and, and being in church and Sunday school with them the whole thing, the whole time. Even I was going to, I went to, when I was in Tulsa, I'd go up and spend weekends with my grandpa, grandma sometimes and go to church. And again, it was this idea of heaven was just such a great topic. They loved it. They loved heaven. It seems like today we're more interested in being here on the earth than being in heaven. I mean, it just seems like that to me. I mean, just in my conversations, we're more earthly minded than heavenly minded. And again, the distractions we've already talked about, but let's take a look at Philippians 3.12. Here's what it says. Not that I've already obtained, but I've, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press because I'm not in heaven yet, but I press towards, I press on to take hold of that which for Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it. One thing I do know, forgetting what is behind is straining towards what is ahead. And a lot of that we will associate with on our journey on the earth. But you know what? Maybe that's just speaking about heaven. That is waits for us as believers. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature, okay, response of a mature believer has a goal of heaven, right? Did you see that? The response of an immature believer, and I don't mean to be harsh, has more of a picture of here and now, okay? All right, just let's say that, okay. <laughs> and the view of things, take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. That's what he's going to point us to. Only let us live up to what we've already attained. Join together in the following, my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and I'll tell you again with tears, many lives as enemies of a cross, many live, I'm sorry, as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach living for the now Go back to those three things we talked about. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, praise the Lord. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that passage of scripture right there. Because it really puts it all in perspective. I can live and focus on an earthly life, or I can live and focus on a heavenly life. And really, again, the response from mature believers to understand that and keep your eyes on heaven word things or heavenly things as opposed to earthly things. Uh, Colossians 3, 2, last scripture, got to close. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. In the middle of the chaos of this life, we need to have right thinking. Every day we need to take our clean dish out of the dirty side of the sink. And every day we need to look heavenward and have an eternal perspective for the day of his coming. Amen. How should we live in this crazy, crazy day? By making sure we're separating ourselves from the craziness of life and loving Jesus more, and by keeping eternal perspective and doing the things that please God and position ourselves for heaven. You realize heaven is a whole lot longer than the time you live on this earth. In fact, it's called eternity. And we need to be eternally minded. And too many people around us today in this evil, crazy world that we live in today are missing out on a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's our mission. Amen. My hope this tonight was just to kind of get us a little bit more of a focus. I love 
to do that, to motivate ourselves, to be reminded of how we should be living on the earth. I love the idea of taking time to do like self-evaluating. Where are you at, Don? What's going on? Are you keeping your focus? Did you get distracted by other things? 21 days is a great way to do that, by the way. I don't know if you've experienced that in your 21 days of prayer and fasting. It gets your, perspo- your, fo- your perspective. I made a word focus and perspective. I don't know how it was going to end up. I stopped mid-sentence, but that was where I was going. Get your focus and perspective where it needs to be. And I just think when we're looking on what you want me to do, God, how should we live our life? What are you asking of me? Live holy and godly and keep your eyes heavenward and eternal perspective. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.